This is Channel 253. In this episode of We Art Tacoma. That's the problem here. Not someone did a, someone's bad, someone's good, someone's right, someone's wrong. And uh, these guys did that brilliantly. Found their empathy with their characters, found the needs that they were really trying to pursue in their lives and in their careers and and finding all the ways that those needs aren't getting met. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is the We Art Tacoma podcast. Welcome back to another episode of We Art Tacoma. I'm your host, Eric Hanberg. Producer Doug here. Hi, Producer Doug. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. I saw this. I just want to make a quick mention that I saw the Mammoth uh, directed production of this in New York in 1993 or 4. The original production? Yeah. Oh, wow. So this this play that uh, we're talking about is Oleana, which is uh, at Tacoma Arts Live this weekend and next weekend, Valentine's Day weekend, uh, or President's Day weekend, however you want to look at it, and the weekend after. And in the studio with me are the two uh, the two actors in the play, the director, and I think we really just jump right into talking about uh, this play, which is about uh, sexual harassment, it's about power dynamics, um, and I think that there's a lot here uh, to reinvestigate from a play that's you know thirty years, almost thirty years old, um, around these questions that have been raised again with uh, Me Too. So uh, give it a listen. It's a good one. All right, we have the cast and director of the play Oleana here with us in the studios. Welcome, uh, Angelica. Do you want to start off and just introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Angelica Barksdale, and I am playing the role of Carol. Sean Neely, and I'm playing the role of John. And you, sir? Josh Knudsen. I directed the show. Yeah, this is uh, this is a part of the the new program that is going on at Tacoma Arts Live to bring mm-hmm. back professional theater uh, to downtown Tacoma. And I think that that's very exciting. And I have I had the theater bug in college and after college, and I'm always interested in what's happening locally in the theater. Um, and so I was really excited to see that this has been brought back. And uh, I saw the show opening night, and I'm excited to talk to you about that. On the podcast, but first, do, what's the show about? Does someone want to give a quick one sentence? What is this play? Angelica. Mm. <laughs> uh, Angelica, you might have the most interesting take on this. <laughs> a fine line between understanding power dynamics and humanities need to understand each other. Mm-hmm. Mm, I would good. say it's a pretty good balance between those two descriptions what about you josh i i just think it's it's very much about the tragic consequences of when two people are trying to find understanding trying to get needs met and uh and not finding ways to get that done okay 
Do you have any any thoughts on that, Sean? Yeah, I would say right in between those two. <laughs> <laughs> Where you're literally sitting, so yeah. that works out well. The, yeah. the, the show is uh, set in a university professor's office. Mm-hmm. A student comes to that professor in the first act, and then from that point, it's just the two the two leads of the play. So it's mm-hmm. it's a very intimate play. Because of that, there's a real intensity to it. Um, and I think uh, it's a really interesting way to talk about what's going on with sexual harassment. This play was written in the 90s, uh, yeah. which I think is really interesting to come back and then consider it again through the lens of Me Too. Um, and it's actually uh, – the author is David Mamet, for those of you who know the name Mamet. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, which is like every other word is the F-bomb. This actually was like the least mamet play I think I've seen. Well, the um, language is definitely mamet but the – The style is mamet But, the, but there's, no, there's, there's only two curse words. No, maybe three, three. or four. Yeah. Very, very different than, than again, like a oh, Glenn yeah. Glary. Or Edmund. Yeah, any of those. Right, right. But, but it seems that, that he really is interested in, especially if you think about it in terms of that – Power, like he's really interested in how how power works, and I'm curious, uh, Sean, playing the role of the professor, um, how you tackled that, given today. You know, there's this 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 professor who, in the script at least, may or may not have been sexually harassing a student. Yeah. How do you address that now as someone who approaches that role? Well, I mean, for me, in the very beginning, it was very clear that John is wrong. You know what I mean? To me, I, I live with a a woman. I mean, I've, I've told Josh this, that when I came into this show, I felt very strongly that 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 John is 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 wrong. And, and essentially, just because whenever I describe the show to someone, it always ends with, can you curse on the show or no? Uh, go for it. It always ends with, he beats the shit out of her. Right, it ends with he beats the shit out of her. There's no ambiguity there. John beats a woman near to death that he's inappropriately touched when she doesn't want him to touch him. Like to me, it is very clear that John is very clear to me that John was is in the wrong. But my job when I got hired by Josh for some reason um, was to advocate for John. And to be honest, this was the most private advocating, I guess, I've ever done because mm. I, I think I felt very badly for what the character is doing. And in, in, in a way, I felt my role was to just make sure that, I don't know, just that uh, we connected. Yeah, Angelica and I connected on stage and that that be honest. That was kind of the hardest part, I think, was just kind of getting us to that honest place. But in terms of power, yeah, I mean, you just now I can go into any room and just go, you know, one, two, three, four. Like who who's who's the number one? Who's the number two? Who's the number three? And it's all because of this play. Hmm. And I think that's very important. It's how it's how jokes land in a room. It's how. Mm-hmm. Who gets listened to? You know who get, who talks the most. All these things have have to do with power, and it's mm-hmm. like silent power. I don't know. It's very strange. And, yeah, Angelica, um, your character Carol uh, goes through a pretty big transformation in this play. Um, body language changes. Your hair changes between between the acts. There's there's a lot that changes, and I'm just curious. Um, as an as someone who has the transformation happen off screen, what's that like for you? You know, how do you picture that that journey of that character? 
Did I say off screen? Off stage? How's that? I, my head's already thinking movie. Are you asking how I navigated to? I'm lost on the question. I'm yeah. Not okay. Uh, so I saw uh, there, there's a, a real transformation that happens. Mm-hmm. How did you approach that transformation? Let's just go with that. Hmm. Oh, how did I approach that? Um, a lot of that was Josh's help, just because um, I was not a big fan of Carol. Mm. Like, I almost didn't audition for this play because I read the script and did not like who she was um, for a number of reasons. And, but Josh did an amazing, <laughs> did an amazing director's job at the beginning of the rehearsal process of really breaking down the characters and really breaking down the language and making us really navigate why, you know, why did she say this? What, what do you think would happen? How would you feel? Could you imagine this? And forcing you know forcing me to change my perspective and so as far as approaching you know once I got to that authentic place of okay let's take my judgment off of it being able to see being able to see her see uh, uh, Carol as a human as if she were a human like okay put myself in those shoes and be like okay how what would this look like and he and once, once I got to that place, being able, you know, as we worked through and rehearsed, I was able, it kind of happened pretty, like, organically. Like, the language, you know, the language, where it sits in my body, where these emotions sit in my body. Once I, got, once I took my Angelica's lens yeah. off of that, off, off of who she was and what she does, it's like, okay, I can see. Let's see how it works. It allows me to have a lot more empathy. And so once that happened, I was able to, ju- it, was, it just yeah. happened organically. Yeah. It really did. That's great. Josh, when you were you involved in the selection of this play? No. You, uh, if 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 I might say, you have a, a a day job as a university administrator, and this mm-hmm. play is set in a university. Uh, how did that affect how you brought uh, your background to to directing? Well, it's why I was excited about the play. Yeah, uh, you know, I think uh, whether you're, and I'm, I don't have the the pleasure of having a lot of direct contact in the classroom of students. But as an administrator, I get an opportunity to see kind of in a a third party way, some of the challenges that faculty face people who are friends of mine, as well as students who I have good relations with, you know, and see these kind of challenges um, come up because, you know, there's this desire to connect, and then the connection isn't made. And Mm -hmm. so, um, I saw that all through this play, and I saw it in its ambiguity. Mm. You know, the the desire that we have, it seems, to need right and wrong so much right now um, and not be able to wrestle with the, the ambiguities of these spaces, you know, the, you know, where there is maybe not right and wrong, but where there are rights and wrongs, you mm. know. And, and it, you know, somebody who was watching the show said to me that that ambiguity really was driven by their – um, the, the characters sort of, I, I like them, I don't like them. I like them, I don't like them. I believe in what they're doing, I don't believe in what they're doing. And being and struggling with that as an audience member. Yeah. yeah. So the ambiguities are really a powerful part of this play. Yeah. Mm. For, for you as a... Um, uh, someone who's you were in art last year as an actor, you're a director this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your theater journey? How did you get into it? Well, this was I'm, I have my degrees in theater, and uh, I started as a professional actor uh, in New York, and I did that. And I, you know, uh, that lifestyle didn't work very well for me, and so, and I also found I had some 
you know, these guys would probably support this. I had some control issues in the sense that I, I found myself in, uh, in spaces where I was thinking, boy, I'm not sure I'm excited about what I'm, the work I'm doing right now. And, mm-hmm. um, I'm working hard to be in that space. Mm-hmm. I'm sacrificing a lot to be in that space. And I sought some of the comforts that maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, totally. you know, John talks about in the play, although it doesn't come in the form of tenure of just some security and yeah. family yeah. and those things. And, um, I actually believed that I would be involved in a university and learn marketing and fundraising and government relations and all of these things so that I could, you know, work in the arts environment. And universities kind of just, they sort of caught me. You know, I'm, yeah. I've, I've had a really lovely 25-year-long career in a place where there are really bright people and amazing transformations of students and opportunities and futures that are created. And, and that's a that's a really rich environment. Um, but it's also fraught with some of these challenges that this play super realizes, you know. Sure. What, what made you, uh, when you were in art last year, want to get back, uh, at least maybe I think of it as back, but maybe you were doing theater I just wasn't aware of. What prompted you to get into theater again? Um, I hadn't done it in like 20 years. Yeah. You know, I'd really I done, I'd really stepped out, you know, and focused on a whole different part of my life. And, uh, and I'd gotten to know David Fisher and the community. And when he came and asked me if I would be interested in performing in art with yeah. him. I read it and I was excited by it and I was excited by again some of its ambiguities, you know, and I thought uh, this will be fun. And I'm excited about and what you said at the start of this, which is Tacoma is the perfect place to have this kind of a professional theater company. Really? It's an environment that should be growing theater and growing talent and growing um, um, innovative performance and I think that's yeah, that's something we all should be working on. Absolutely, Angelica. What's your theater background? <laughs> uh, my theater background is definitely musical theater. Okay, um, as a Disney kid, I only reason why I joined theater is because I love dancing and singing equally. And so, for the past, I want to say five or six years, it's just been musical theater, and most of that time is in Seattle. Um, I'm excited that I'm excited that theater is starting back up over here. But that's do, you, do you live in Tacoma? I do live in Tacoma. I do. I live like around the corner. Oh, cool. And so, um, yeah, it's just musical theater. I love to sing. I love dancing. Um, never was really considered myself an actress. Um, I mean, but you know, you pick up on little tips here and there just because you want to get booked. But <laughs> but but my the- my background is singing and dancing. Yeah, I love it. Love, love, love. Did you do that uh, in in college or anything like that? I, I did not. Okay. Literally, I was. It was. I started out at um. What was it? Tacoma Musical Playhouse. Oh yeah. I did a lot, and and at the uh, the the staff at the time they were like family, and so I, you know everyone's moved on as as far as that goes. But it was mainly Tacoma Musical Playhouse, and then I was ambitious and went and auditioned for um, Village Village Theater in uh, Issaquah and. Yeah. It's been a journey ever since. That's awesome. Well, and obviously, Oleana is just filled with music and dance and song. (laughs) Not. (laughs) So, no, this is, no, this part, this part of it has been a stretch just because I've never just acted. This is like my first time really delving into the the actor part of 
entertainment. So yeah, yeah it's been a journey. Which yeah. is a director you you just have to know is is has been amazing for me. <laughs> oh, thank even as you. an actor to, to, to see is it's just really incredible. Actually, um, <laughs> really a talented professional with. Um, Wonderful discipline, um, and just I have uh, actually just a pleasure to work with. Yeah. And so yeah. I Thank should just keep Josh. doing keep doing this work, <laughs> keep it going. Yeah. Thank you, Sean. What about you? Your your theater background, your theater story. Well, I started um, my my mom my mom just dropped me off to junior high theater when I was in the sixth grade, and uh, just I, I probably just needed like a father figure, and and so I. The teacher there, David Duvall, really became kind of like a father for me in sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And he, uh, by the seventh grade, he just started putting me in shows. And um, and then I think he knew the high school theater teacher to the high school I was going to and told her, like, oh, this guy's good. And then I just started being in shows there. And I did... You know, in high school, you do like four or five shows a year. I mean, it's yeah. really intense. Yeah, it is. And then I started doing shows at the community. I did the shows at Community Playhouse. I went to a community college for a couple of years. I got a full scholarship there, but I, I really hated school. I mean, just like John, I hated school. I hated everything about school. Except <laughs> Your for, character, John, yeah. <laughs> except, for, except for doing the theater. Like, I just wanted to do theater. And one of the, my professors was from Chicago, and he said, you should go to Chicago. And so oh. literally on his recommendation, just on his recommendation, I went to Chicago, and I worked there for about four years. And um, I did some great shows there. And I met my wife, and we moved um, to Austin, where I got married, and I got my equity card in Austin. Wow. And as soon as I got my equity card, I moved to New York to do theater there. And after about nine months, I got burned out. Like, I was like, I don't like this. Every mm. th There was these equity calls where you would go, these mass equity calls with like 200 people there. You would make no impression. Nothing would matter. And they were required to do it. It was already cast. And that was your best hope was to impress this person. Wow. And I, it was really... I mean, I got a few really cool compliments from some neat people, but I think that's probably the best I did in New York. And then I went to Minneapolis and worked, actually got to work with my equity card there. At the Guthrie or something like that? No, I worked at the Jungle Theater. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and in Minneapolis, they had a fringe festival, and I started to get a little bit um, just kind of weary of the theater, what we're doing, what it means and stuff. And so I started to write my own stuff. And so... For a period of about five years, I just wrote and directed and acted in my own stuff. Mm -hmm. And then just – and then it wasn't until TLT we, – we moved to Phoenix and then we moved here a couple of years ago. And TLT was doing P Pillow Man and I wanted to act in just a normal play, not one of my own. Because Pillow Man, especially Michael, that role is very, very, very dear to me. And Pillow Man went to uh, – that production uh, that Tacoma Little Theater put on went to – I can't remember what the – I don't know. Okay. Yeah, some kind of state, national yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, recognition beyond just to come a little theater, I guess, yeah. oh, is yeah. what I'm trying yeah. to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really, it was awesome. And that led to Doll's House, and then that led to um, auditioning for Josh Yeah. in this role. I mean, really, I mean, Angelica, you'll, I'm sure you know this by now, but it's like this, this, this kind of, this size of a role, this complete human being of a role is very nice it's very nice to that's cool com fully understand yeah. something or feel like you fully understand it yeah so that's my theater journey that's really great 
Thank you, all three of you, for sharing that. Um, we are going to take a, a quick break, and then when we come back, we are going to dive deep into the play that has two more weeks left at uh, Theater on the Square. So stick around. Hello, I'm Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, We Art Tacoma. This episode of Channel 253 is sponsored by TAPCO, Pierce County's original credit union. You might already know that credit unions are not-for-profit financial cooperatives with a focus on enriching their members instead of big bank shareholders. TAPCO is committed to serving Tacoma and Pierce County, just like Channel 253. That means when you put your money there, you put it back into our community. Think about it. You go to the night market, you go to the Grand, and you shop at local stores. So why not keep your money local too? TAPCO offers the products and services you need home loans, auto loans, checking and savings, online and mobile banking, all with lower fees and better rates than big banks. Plus, TAPCO donates to local causes and supports our community in other ways, so you can feel good about helping your neighbors. To learn more about our local choice for all of your banking needs, visit tapcocu.org. My thanks to TAPCO for their support of this podcast and Channel 253. Let, let, let's let's really dig into this into this play because when when this was written in the early nineties, oh no, in the late eighties, late eighties, yeah. uh, staged uh, in New York in like, yeah in the early nineties, in the yeah. early nineties, and then turned into a film in ninety four with yeah, William oh H Macy. Yeah, that's a rough. Um, and like the tagline of the film, as I was uh, preparing for this podcast, it said something like, "No matter which side you're on, you're wrong," or something like that. Like like the this play was built in a way where my understanding is is that like. And at the time, women hated the first half and men hated the second half. And it was supposed to be like, who's right, who's wrong? As a viewer, that is not what I took from it. And I'm just curious what what you saw. Uh, You said earlier, uh, Sean, that John, the character John, you saw him as being from the wrong from the start. Yeah. What did you think reading this, uh, Angelica? How how did you take it now as a more modern reader? She was wrong. Okay. That's why I didn't like – I did not like her. Just – like, you might not have liked what he was doing, but you just don't accuse somebody of rape who didn't rape you. You're you right. know what I mean? Like, and so, and, and, and part of that comes from my closest circle of friends. Mm. Three out of the five of them are, yeah. are actual rape victims. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and not, not implied, not inappropriate, yeah. like rape yeah. victims. And yeah. so, to, you know, and so to see their lives, I'm sorry, see their lives, you know, affected and, I also have friends, big burly men, that, you know, if somebody would accuse, you know, accuse them of rape, nobody would just be inclined to believe them, even though I know, you know what I mean? And I do. so I just don't like the idea of. I, I, I definitely take the point. You know. Um, I, as a, so I, I've written some plays on the, right. on the side, and I really saw um, at that moment, because that's pretty late in the, in the script where, where, where Carol. Um, says you raped me, mm-hmm. and I, I just was like, I feel like the, the author's putting his or the playwright is putting his thumb on this a little bit because mm-hmm. up until that point, I again, I was John was in the wrong here, and this is actually something, Josh, where I'm curious about your take. It really feels like whether John is in the wrong or not is how you stage it in some ways. I have not read the script, I haven't seen what the stage directions are, mm-hmm. but like you could stage it one way and you could stage it the other way, and Absolutely. that would change, Absolutely. so change. And, and what I what I really appreciated about the f- the first act of this play, so especially, was how thoughtful every single 
motion that the two of you had on stage uh, was because, because body language was so integral to, to these questions. Mm-hmm. And so um, you're studying the play, you're watching it and, you know, trying to figure this out. Uh, do you want to comment any on, on this, those staging decisions, Josh? Well, there's, I mean, um, there's a really interesting thing. I'm going to sort of answer the question I want to answer here. Okay? So I the, appreciate the, that. So, so, <laughs> so the, 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 um, there's a, you talk, asked about transformation earlier and what happens from Act 1 to Act 2 and 3. You know, there's a language thing that happens that you have to recognize where they reverse their roles. Where yes. the teacher becomes a student, the student becomes the teacher. Um, and so – that's the dynamic shift between the two characters, but it's driven again by this need space. So when you're talking about their judgment of their characters, this thing can't even get off the ground if they have those feelings about that. They have to figure out what it is that I can I can really relate to and I understand. So the audience really has a lot of challenge primarily with her accusation at the end of the play. Yes. Because they recognize that she's using the letter of the law as a weapon, but in intent, right? But if you're playing Carol, you have to recognize that Carol has spent a lot of money to go to college. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she's working very hard. And she spends her first act with this guy who doesn't even want to really give her the time because he's busy working on his house over the phone. He gets distracted multiple times and he doesn't take seriously her concerns, leaves Mm -hmm. her kind of hanging, leaves her needing to go seek help from others to navigate the higher education environment, to navigate the possibility of spending tens of thousands of dollars and end up not having a degree to show for it on the other side. Right. So – that escalates as she continues to try to be understood. She even says to him, you know, that I don't want revenge. I want to be understood. That's already that's all the way in the third act of the play. Mm-hmm. I fundamentally have believed from the beginning that if he found a way really to um, to to truly connect to her, to understand, to empathize a little bit earlier in the play, all of, none of this would have evolved. Mm-hmm. So their inability to empathize with each other is is the problem in this play the inability to get their needs met to be able to hear each other they're constantly talking past each other so that is the that that is what we're that's why they're it's not about right or wrong and as a director when you say this thing would be in real trouble if you know hmm. or that was my take is you somebody says oh well you know for sure she's she's a she's a liar and she does it to destroy this poor guy's career. If a director comes at it with that perspective, sure, this thing is there's no way. The, yeah, it's horrendous. It's an abuse to her and to the experience of women uh, in the higher education environment, or whether you're dealing with sexism or you know the layers of racism and, and difference. You know, um, again, and really important to say on John's side here is that you know most of the time. of the time, those offenses are not created because somebody is actively trying to create those offenses. Mm -hmm. It it stems from a, a, you know, an intellectual, um, um, I'll use the word entitlement. And ultimately, because I've been educated in a space, right, I may be able to lecture about in John's case, which is the extreme in this the abuse, the, you know, the hazing of the higher education system and doing that in front of a student. When she says I'd, that's totally in the face of everything that I believe in and working for, you say, well, it's just tough. You know, it's just whatever, whatever, you know. So there's it is that sort of 
he's not trying to hurt her. He's doing his job. He's telling, I'm just trying to share what I think. I'm telling you what I think. And so that's the problem here. Not someone did, a, someone's bad, someone's good. Someone's right, right someone's wrong. And uh, these guys did that brilliantly. Found their empathy with their characters, found the needs that they were really trying to pursue in their lives and in their careers and and finding all the ways that those needs aren't getting met. And then that manifests in the staging. So to answer your first question. I like that. It's a true politician's answer. I'm just going to answer the yeah. question I want to yeah. answer. Well, and also it's like the answer is staging. Staging. Mm-hmm. Staging. Really staging is definitely how My, how tell yeah. me how you worked on that as as you figured out how to how to stage that um as 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 two two people approaching these characters. Um because that's gotta be a very complex uh, thing to figure out that dynamics. Josh was really big about authenticity hmm. and making sure we knew, you know, we knew the language and what motivated that language. Yeah. And that determined where will you stand, where would I sit, when would I move, when would he move. It was a lot. It was a, it was kind of strenuous, but it was absolutely necessary. Looking back on I, it, I, I think w- it would have to. Yeah, it would have to be. Have like, to looking be. back, I was like, okay, he knew exactly what he was doing. This, he's good. And so, <laughs> but no, it was literally at the at the tail end start of the of the process, just really, really, really dealing with language and being authentic with with it. What do you think, Sean? Well, I mean, in terms of the physicality of it, yeah, the, the, the yeah. Well, physicality. I didn't want to touch you at all in the beginning. He didn't. He no, was just like I, I was wanted to be as respectful as possible mm-hmm. to your space, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until we got over that somehow. I don't remember how. I think Josh was just like. Charlotte Put your hand on her shoulder. Put her your hand on her shoulder. Put your hand on her shoulder. You were like, "No, it's cool. It's fine. It's fine. Totally yeah, fine. fine." And then that kind of got over that hill. But mm-hmm. I think that was probably the biggest hill for us to get over. I think the physicality of the fight is actually a little bit more dynamic than mm. the physicality of because I have to, you know, be in the state of mind or pretend to be in a state of mind, I should say, and and also, you know, pretend to to beat. Peter, which is not something I enjoy doing, which is something that I found out about myself. Angelica, you don't like that part, do you? I don't. <laughs> yeah, it was just so that, that was just triggering for everybody. It was yeah, just, it was just yeah. We had a, when the fight choreographer came. Uh, I literally bad. wanted to stop and was like, "This is too much. This, this is, is just like this is too much." This entire uh, play is deeply strenuous on mm-hmm. both of these actors. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the culmination in the physical the fight at the end of the play. You, if you see them after the play, I mean, their recovery is, is, is you know, it's, it's real. It's, like, it's real. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've actually tried when this, when we really started to get into this to give them notes afterwards. And I was sort of like, wow, this is very hard because they, they're in fight or flight. Brains are in yeah. fight or flight mode. Like, yeah. just it's, it's, it takes over. And the, mm-hmm. it, I think it's important to note also that, um, the Mamet wrote the end, the fight at the end of the play differently than the way this was done. And I, and, yeah. and, and I did it, read that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, he had it staged so that he would throw her to the ground, hit her, I think, one way or the other, and then he would hold the chair over his head like he was going to hit her with it. And then he puts it down and sort of reorganizes his life. And it, um, and then she comes at him, right? No, no, oh, no, 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 no. She's just, left on the ground. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Most yeah. of the time she's left on the ground. Yeah. yeah. And I, I yeah. just felt we were really 
trying to pursue this deep connection and authenticity between these two actors and and I just couldn't imagine imposing that totally ridiculous blocking on <laughs> Sean or either of them. Um, why would she lay there? Why would she, you know, I mean, I don't, just none of it made sense. And I, so the idea that this culminates in a more explosive piece of violence was, I think, important. And the audience, I think, has responded to it. Um, but it's very hard on them. Yeah, I absolutely uh, can imagine that. It's no fun, yeah. It's not fun at all. Yeah, Josh always— there, There's a yeah. reason you were taking your bows separately on other sides of the stage, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, that was a great idea. That it was, was a great idea. Josh's idea. I, I'm not sure we I've seen connect. that. We never connect. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's no end. resolution. No, that's what it is. There's no resolution. There's, a, there's no resolution in the play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the play is Oleana. It plays at uh, Tacoma Arts Live this weekend, so Valentine's Day weekend, uh, and then next weekend. It's um, a great Valentine's show. (laughs) (laughs) Oleana the musical. At the very very least, uh, just like with my wife and I, uh, you will be talking about it the whole way home. Um, And uh, maybe you can come together at that part. So, yeah. Uh, Tickets are still available at Tacoma Arts Live on the website. Anything else you want to say uh, before we, we wrap things up? I'll just thank you for having us thank on. Thank you. Thanks for, for having, having us. us. Well, I appreciate uh, all of you putting yourselves out uh, and making this uh, this play happen. And uh, as I said, it's really great to see professional theater back in Tacoma. So thanks for that. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Glad to be part of it. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. The We Art Tacoma podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows, Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.